Hey, I'm Phil. Thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you're here and we would love to get connected with you and your family. So one easy way that you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321 or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. morning just to consider what we're gathered here together to think about and to consider uh, you've seen this name as a series we've been walking through uh, Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 9 verse 6 where these names that were just listed on the screen were articulated for us for the very first time wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace this comes from Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 And as we, in the last several weeks, we've been looking at these names and considering the names that were attributed to the one, this child that would come to bring this amazing peace, Prince of Peace. This is the name we're going to particularly focus on today. We see this this amazing prophecy that Isaiah wrote several hundred, 700 years to be precise, somewhere in that range, uh, before Jesus even walked on the earth. Isaiah wrote these prophecies and these words of this child that would come bringing the character traits that come with these names. We looked at wonderful counselor, Jesus as a mediator. Jesus as someone who steps in, who is 100% God and 100% man. And he walks in and fills that gap and he becomes our mediator, our advocate, one who steps in the middle. He fully understands what it's like to be human as well as fully understanding what it's like to be divine. It's an awesome picture of him being a mediator for us on our behalf. We looked at the name Mighty God. That word mighty in the Hebrew word is also a term used to describe a fighter, a warrior, if you will, one who comes to defend the weak, a mighty, mighty warrior who comes. And of course, if you're familiar with the story of Jesus, we see the correlation in his character where he came to do battle against the schemes of the devil. And we know that this battle took place at the cross 
Jesus has the wounds to prove his battle. And we know that the devil, more than likely, as Jesus was laid into that tomb, thought he had won. He had beaten Jesus and he had beaten God, but we have a mighty God. And here's Jesus portrayed in this very term, in this passage in Isaiah, where he steps out of the grave. Three days later, we know the story, claiming victory over the schemes of the devil, over sin, and over death itself. Last week, we looked at Jesus portraying the character of a father, someone who cares for his children. We walk through this fact that many of us may not even fully understand what it looks like to have a really good, godly father, but we see in the scriptures over and over again the character of what a loving, caring father is. We saw that he provides a way. He provides. This is the good character of a father, and Jesus reflects this in the very work he did on the cross. He provided a way for us to be reconciled with the father. We saw that Jesus gave us instructions on how to get there and the way to go just like a caring father was. But one of the greatest characters we looked at and we saw was the fact that Jesus showed his love just like a loving father would and the very fact that he was willing to lay his own life down for you and for me. So today we're going to look at this passage. If you have your scripture, you you can open it and turn with me. I'm going to be predominantly in the book of Isaiah. What I want to do for you is this. I want to show you what Isaiah was telling the people of Israel in the book of Isaiah, prophesying about a child that would become. In this season where we're celebrating the very birth of Jesus, we're going to see how 700 years before Jesus even walked on the earth, there was a man who told us what this man would come bringing for us, what this child would bring for us. And today we look at it looking back and we can look at what Isaiah said and we can look at what the gospels recorded for us in the accounts of history. And we can compare the two and look and say, hey, there is something here that I need to pay attention to for my very own life today. So I want to do that for you today. So if we will start with Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I'm just going to read the verse that comes from Scripture, that we get these very names, these character traits, if you will. They're not not proper names in the sense that, like John, Mary, or, or Luke, but these are names that describe the very character of the person. So we know who to look for. Verse 6 says this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I'm going to focus today on that last name, Prince of Peace. The very first word that comes in that name, prince, just instinctively tells you that this is a child that has royalty. He comes from a, what you would say, a royal heritage. We see this in the physical sense with Jesus, that he is, in fact, the son of a king in the nation of Israel, the son of King David, one of the great kings ever written and spoken of in the the nation of Israel. Jesus has that physical lineage. And as impressive as that may be, that's really not the most impressive heritage Jesus has. This child, this prince that comes, is also the son of God. And he has a spiritual heritage, lineage, that gives him this proper title of prince. He has a royal heritage 
that he is the son of the king of the kingdom of heaven. And here in this title, Isaiah prophesies long before Jesus came that there would be a child who would have the character of a king. And the second word is the word I really want to focus on today. Prince of Peace. That word peace in our world, in our terms today, we are, we ha- I have basically three categories in which we can relate to this word peace. One is environmental. I don't know if you've ever said these words or not as a parent. Man, I can't. Kids, go read a book. I need some peace and quiet, right? I would call it environmental peace. I I like to hunt. One of the most peaceful places I like to go is to go sit in a tree and wait for the morning dawn to come up and listen. It's peaceful, it's quiet, and then as the sun rises, you start to hear the woods wake up. The birds start chirping. The squirrels start rustling through the ground, and if if there's turkey, they're really noisy, so the peace is somewhat disturbed, but it's a very peaceful time for me. So we, we can ex- examine this word peace in the sense of environmental peace. Another category we see with peace is relational peace. The dynamics of relationships. Sometimes the easiest place to see this is in the home, right? Relational peace between a husband and a wife. If there's tension, there's not peace, right? Maybe you've heard the expression, happy wife happy life, right? There, there's a sense there where we go, we go, hey, man, when things are good at home, I'm at peace, right? And if things aren't good at home, relationally, whether it's husband and wife or parent and child or siblings, where there's tension, there's often a lack of peace. And we can relate to that. We understand that. We also can extend this out from the home into neighborhood right? Relational peace. If there is a neighbor that you don't get along with or a neighbor that you do get along with, you can understand the difference between having a peaceful relationship and not having a peaceful relationship. It extends beyond the neighborhood and it could go into the workplace. Relational peace. If you are in a hostile work environment where there is constant tension and constant turmoil, you understand that that workplace has no peace versus one that maybe you have experienced where everybody gets along Everybody's great. Everybody works cohesively well. And you say, man, this is a very peaceful work environment. The third one is one without really a lot of explanation is governmental peace. Right? We, we know when there are countries at war. And we understand this word peace is, hey, they're, they're, they're not at peace when there is external war, combat between two, two opposing nations. And there's also a lack of peace internally as a government or as a nation when there is civil unrest. And it hinges a lot on this aspect. Every single one of those dynamics hinges a lot on this aspect of trust. Do we trust, right? Whether it's in a relational, not so much maybe with the environmental aspect, but when it comes to relational peace or governmental peace, a lot of that peace is hinged on whether we trust the relationship that we are in. So I want to walk you through today as we look at this word, Prince of Peace. That word peace in the Hebrew is shalom. Maybe you've heard that word before. Peace in this Hebrew sense means to be complete or to be made whole. To be complete or to be made whole. And I want to walk you through Isaiah's very own description of this word peace in the book of Isaiah. And so we're going to jump through several texts 
You can write down the references. All of them will be on the screen for you to read. I want you to read the very words that Isaiah spoke of to help us understand this word peace, who it applies to, and why it's important for us to grasp it. So as we read in that passage just a few minutes ago, verse 6, right after it, one of the things we see is this in verse 7. Speaking again of this wonderful child that is to come who has these different character traits, it is said of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. The first thing we see right after the introduction of the Prince of Peace is the fact that the peace he brings, this completeness, this wholeness that he brings is one that is not temporary. It's not a temporary condition that brings peace to us. When we look at those different categories, right? Like, I mean, I'm just going to use the illustration that I understand. When I'm sitting in the tree and it's really peaceful and I have this other word you might reference is serenity. I'm sitting there, just I want you to imagine this. And all of a sudden you hear a semi-jake breaking. I mean, if you've ever heard a truck, semi-truck jake break, the peace is gone. It's temporary, right? Like, if you've experienced that, you understand it. Maybe, maybe it's in your home, and you're like, oh, man, the kids are quiet. Ah, it's peaceful. And then, bam, something comes crashing down. Maybe a bookshelf fell or something happened, right? You experience this instant, temporary sense of peace. This works in relational. This also works in the governmental sense as well. When there's conflict in the home, peace is not there and it's only short-lived. When it's governmental, when there's conflict between nations, it's temporary. But this peace that this child brings is a peace that never ends. This wholeness that comes, this completeness that is received in this sense of peace is not temporary. The other thing we see, if you'll jump with me there in Isaiah 26, there is a passage that Isaiah writes. It's actually a song. And he sings of these words when it comes to this aspect of peace. Verse 3, you keep in him, you keep him in perfect peace, those whose mind is stayed on you. You keep him in perfect peace, perfect peace, not temporary peace, not a false peace, but perfect peace. And I want you to see these next words, whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. See, there's that key element that we see in a lot of these different categories. The kind of peace that this child brings is a peace that is first and foremost not temporary. It is eternal. And it's a perfect peace because it's rooted in a perfect trust. A person that is not flawed. A person that is not corrupt, if you will, is not selfish in any way, shape, or form, but it is perfect because he is completely trustworthy. As he continues in this, and I love this, in verse 12 of that same chapter, 26, the way we obtain this peace is recorded for us by the prophet Isaiah. He says, O Lord, you will ordain peace for us. That word ordain means establish. You, O Lord, key word, you, You, O Lord, will endure peace or ordain peace for us. You have indeed done for us all our works. What do you see there? 
I hope you see this. This is very important because a lot of times in our world, peace is something that we're supposed to obtain of our own doing, of our own goodness, of our own actions. But here in the scripture, Isaiah was telling us long before Jesus came, hey, listen, there's going to be somebody that comes who brings perfect, everlasting peace. And guess what? He's the one that's going to do the work for us so that we can obtain it. You, O Lord, you are the one who establish or ordains peace. You, O Lord, are the one who does all our works. As you continue in Isaiah, you jump to chapter 42, Isaiah speaks of a servant that is coming. This is the same description as we looked at this word, Prince of Peace. Yes, Jesus is, in fact, of incredible uh, royal heritage, both from a spiritual sense and a physical sense in his family lineage, but he is also a servant that comes to serve. We see Isaiah recording this for us in Isaiah 42. He says this in verse 1, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. This is a very interesting verse in Isaiah. If you're familiar with the Gospels, when Jesus himself was baptized, as he began his ministry, this is actually a prophecy of what occurred at Jesus' baptism. You see, when Jesus was baptized by John the baptizer, when Jesus is basically dipped into the Jordan River and pulled out, the heavens opened up and there was an account recorded where the voice of God himself came and spoke of the person of Jesus and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Just as Isaiah says here, and he's speaking of this child that is coming, this servant, This is whom my soul delights. As Jesus was baptized there, it is also recorded in the Gospels that a dove, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, ascended, descended down upon Jesus. And we see Isaiah recording for us this very connection. This is is an amazing connection that he will put his Spirit upon him. This is, again, a prophecy of the person of Jesus in the book of Isaiah, this child that is the Prince of Peace. It continues in that same chapter, in verse 6, it says this, I am the Lord, I have called you out, I have called you in righteousness, I will take you by the hand and keep you, I will give you as a covenant for my people, I'll give you as a promise to my people. And I want you to see this, he says, this is describing the servant, the person of Jesus, long before Jesus ever walked on the earth. You will be a light for the nations. You will be to open the eyes of those that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon and from the prison, those who sit in darkness. This is describing what the servant will do, this kind of peace that he brings when he comes as the prince of peace. As a little child, we see that he comes bringing this perfect completeness and this wholeness where he heals the blind. He allows those who are sitting in utter darkness to see light. I mean, if all the lights are down in here, there's not a single light in here, you try to move around, you understand that it's difficult and it's hard. This is not talking about the physical sense alone, but the really the true nature of it is the spiritual sense of darkness that we walk in, our sin and our transgressions 
against the Lord, against the Father. And here Jesus, this child that Isaiah is speaking of, we see him as being a light to the nations. We see this confirmed in John chapter 1, the very first chapter. John speaks of the person of Jesus and he describes Jesus in this way. He says, he is the light of men. We see Jesus came to bring forth light in in a world of darkness. This is affirmed by what Isaiah tells us. He continues in verse 8, I am the Lord, this is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. See, Isaiah is telling this to a nation of people who have utterly rejected the notion of God. And Isaiah is saying, listen, here's the deal, guys. God told me to tell you these things, that this child would come one day to bring us perfect peace, an everlasting peace, not a temporary peace that's only there as long as it's convenient for me and my circumstances, but a peace that is complete and whole. Of course, we see that affirmation in the very life of Jesus. If you continue in Isaiah, Isaiah 48, there is a call God makes to his people. There's a call that the Father makes to his people, and he's the same call that he makes today. It's not any different. In Isaiah 48, it says this in verse 12, Listen to me. Pay attention to those words. Listen to me, he says, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called, I am he. I am the first, and I am the last. If you go to the book of Revelation, you see this character trait attributed to the person of Jesus The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. What's amazing here is that as you see this call, this call of God to his people, to humanity, he's saying, hey, listen, humanity, listen to me. I want you to have completeness. I want you to have wholeness. I want you to have peace. Not a temporary peace, but an everlasting peace. As you continue in this passage, you see in verse 14, he says, Assemble all of you and listen. Assemble all of you and listen. In verse 14 of chapter 48, he then says this, and how we obtain this peace. In verse 16, he says this, Draw near to me. Draw near to me and hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret, From the time it came to be, I have been there. What is he saying? What was he saying all the way back here to the nation of Israel, to the people? As Isaiah is writing this, he's saying, hey, listen, God's pleading to you. He's calling to you. He's saying, hey, listen to my instructions. Listen to what I've said to you. I want you to have this peace. And what else does he say? He says, I'm not hiding from you. I'm not this God that's just invisible somewhere up in the the space that's invisible and hard to find. I'm not hiding from you. I'm not in secret. I'm here. I'm present. I've always been here and I've always been present. And that statement is true back when Isaiah wrote this and it's true to this day right now. That God is seeking you and me as his children and he's asking and pleading with us to listen to his message and what he has to say. As Isaiah continues in chapter 52, you see Isaiah prophesying of the coming salvation, the hope of peace. 
And what you see recorded for us is so amazing. In Isaiah 52, verse 7, it says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. If you're familiar with the Gospels, that very word, the four uh, first books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're called the Gospels. That word gospel means literally good news. And those are four books that attest to the life of Jesus Christ. And here we see way before Jesus even came, there was a passage written of his gospel that would come, his good news that he would bring. The one who brings this good news. Look at this next line. Who publishes peace. Who brings peace. Who establishes peace. Who brings good news of happiness. Who publishes salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. This is Isaiah prophesying of the child. The prince of peace. This very season that we celebrate. He's saying, hey, he's going to come, and he's going to bring salvation, and he's going to bring peace. I love this. And you might be asking yourself, listen, what is, what is this good news? What is this peace? What is this salvation? It is the wonderful work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And this is also recorded for us in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 53, verse 4, says this, Surely... This is speaking of the child that will come. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement. And I want you to see this next line. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. See, it's not our work. It's not in our own doing. We don't have the ability to bring this kind of peace into our life. It comes from the prince of peace, the the creator and the maker of the only kind of peace that is eternal and everlasting, the only kind of peace that is complete and whole. It comes from this child that we are now celebrating, the person of Jesus We can go to the accounts of the cross and see that this prophecy, as it was spoken in the book of Isaiah, is 100% true in the life of Jesus as he hung on that cross. As you continue, there is this promise of this salvation that comes in believing in the person of Jesus and his work. Isaiah 54, verse 10, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed. That word covenant simply means promise. That my promise of peace will not be removed. It's not temporary. It's not something that can be taken away. When you know me, in essence is what Jesus is saying, when you hear my call, when you hear my message, and you respond to my call for peace, reconciliation, we've looked at all of these names Wonderful counselor, a God that steps in the gap. Mighty God, one who comes to do battle for us because we can't fight and defend ourselves. Everlasting Father, one who comes with not just this ability to do battle, but has this compassion and care and love for his children. 
He comes to bring peace. Prince of peace. Wholeness. Completeness. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says this. It's the call. It's the message. It's the response mechanism in our hearts that we need to respond to. He says this. Seek. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will, and I want you to see this, abundantly pardon. You may be sitting here this morning saying, man, Master John, you have no idea what I've done. You don't know the kind of life I've lived. There ain't no way there's a God that can forgive the things that I've done. Listen, it says it right there long before Jesus even walked on the earth that there would be a child that would come. This season would be the time that we celebrate his awesome coming to bring peace into our lives. And the message and the, the, the response to receiving this promise, to receiving this covenant is for us to say, Lord, you do the work. I want that peace. I know I'm unrighteous. I know I'm a sinner. I need you. God promises, and his word is trustworthy. There's that word that brings peace. What do we trust in that brings us peace? The prophet Isaiah tells us long before Jesus came that Jesus, in fact, is the Prince of Peace. This child that would come is, in fact, the one who brings us completeness and wholeness. I want to share a passage of Jesus' very own words. In John chapter 14, Jesus understood this. Jesus knew these words were spoken in the book of Isaiah. And Jesus, in his own very words, say this. Peace, this is just before he's about to ascend to heaven. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You hear Jesus tell his disciples these words. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, I want you to pay attention to these last words, you may believe. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, listen, what Isaiah spoke of, this child that would come, who would be this prince of peace, I'm him. I come to give you peace. I bring peace. I give you peace, completeness, wholeness. And then he says, hey, listen, I'm going away for a while. And you might be saying, hey, I haven't seen Jesus around where is he at? Well, he's coming back someday. And he's told us what he's going to do when he comes back. We can see this recorded for us in the book of Revelation. And the call that Jesus says is this, listen, I want peace with you. I want completeness, wholeness with you. And the call is, as we look at this time, as we're celebrating this season where we celebrate the very birth of Jesus. The reason we celebrate the birth of Jesus is not solely because of his birth, but it's because of the work he accomplished at the cross, the peace that he brings. There are many in here who have experienced that peace, who have that completeness and that wholeness in their heart. They know Jesus. 
The rest of the world might be falling apart. There may be turmoil all around, but there is still peace when you know Jesus, that he is supreme, that he is, in fact, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and the prince of peace. You can be operating in a world that is chaotic and falling apart and still be confident and firm in who Jesus is because you trust his very promise that he says, hey, I'm coming back for you one day. I love that Jesus says this. I, I peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. So the call today, as we conclude, is simply this. Do you have that peace? Listen, the band's going to come up. Ladies are going to come up and sing. And in a minute, we're going we're gonna to do something that's pretty traditional in the sense of the season. We're going to do light some candles. The lights are going to go down and it's going to get dark in here. And I want you to think, we're going to sing Silent Night, Holy Night. If you want to think of a song that brings some of the most peaceful sounds, Silent Night, Holy Night is a very peaceful song. But I want you to take some time this morning. Listen, I understand the season is busy. There's a lots of stuff going on. You might be thinking about your schedule, parties you need to get to. But in this moment, I want you to just take a few moments. She's going to sing Silent Night, Holy Night, and it's going to be dark in here. I want you to ask yourself, man, have I got that completeness? Have I got that wholeness that comes only from knowing the person of Jesus? Do I know him in a way that I can be confident? That I can be saying, hey, man, that promise is true, and it's not just true for the people of Israel, but it's true for me today and right now. And as she sings that song, I'm going to get up and I'm going to start lighting the candle. And this light represents the good news, the gospel, the light of Jesus. And as Jesus is spreading, if you will, if you kind of picture this, you see this amazing light that shines up in this room. And it gives us a reason to shout for the victory and the promise of who Jesus was. As we celebrate him, first of all, coming, man, we are so excited that he came. But we are even more excited that he was willing to take on the brutal, hard task of taking and conquering sin and death in our life at the cross. So today, as they sing, I want you to consider, do I have that peace? Is that peace in my heart? Is that peace real? If I relied on other things to fulfill that peace? Ladies, go ahead and lead us in a song.